cue the ball off. I remember that. And he didn't run to first base. He just reached down and grabbed some uh, chalk and he went up and he cued the end of his bat like that. <laughs> and then he walked back to that dugout. 44, yeah. 44. He had a home run off me in Comiskey. I remember that was a great story because I got into the eighth inning and I had a one-run lead. No, I had a two-run lead. I had a two-run lead and the leadoff hitter got on in the ninth inning. And they pitch hit Bradford, uh, Buddy Bradford. I remember that. And Allen was the next hitter. And they came to take down the ball game. They're bringing the right hand. I'm going, why are you going to do that? He says, well, he's a right-handed hitter. I said, he's just off the bat. I'm going to throw him a sinker down the way. He's going to hit a double ball play, and I'm out of the end. And I go, okay. So he goes back to the manager. I don't know who it was. I think it was Daryl Johnson. Could have been Zimmer, but I doubt it. And I end up first pitch. Bradford hits a ground ball to short. Double play. Now I have a two-run relief and Richie Allen's up. So he lets me pitch to Allen. And I throw him a changeup, maybe three or four inches off the plate. But I got it up a little bit above his knees. He went back, kept his hands back, just flicked that bat at it. And he had a line drive by my ear that I tried to catch. Because it was a changeup, I had plenty of time to try and catch it. And I tried to catch it as it went by this way. The second baseman, Doug Griffin, went into the hole. He tried to catch it. Reggie Smith in center field went back, and the ball ended up climbing and went into the upper deck of the missile. Nobody out there day game just rattled. Ladies and gentlemen, Thank you so much for joining us. This is Dump on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Tonight is Tuesday, May the 19th, 2020. Coming at you straight from Champaign, Illinois. My name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how are you? Uh, hey, Joel, I'm doing good. I'm coming at you live from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, and I'm interested in that clip that you played us on the walk-in. Why don't you uh, tell me about that? So, okay, so we are going to be talking about, for the second time, uh, the book, The Wrong Stuff. This is the B-Block Book Club. We're talking about the book, The Wrong Stuff, by Bill Spaceman Lee of the Boston Red Sox. And that was a clip of an interview with Spaceman Lee describing a game against Chicago White Sox in the 1970s when he was pitching against Dick Allen. And I, I hope you will... will all able to hear it. I don't know if you would. But what he was describing was Dick Allen hitting a line drive home run. Now, I would like I, it if you referred to him as Tricky Dick Allen for the rest of the podcast. I'd rather not, but we should talk about other Tricky Dick also because he's going to come up in this conversation. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Old Comiskey Park size? Uh, I want to know how far, 
What? Dimensions? Dimensions. I want to know how far it was to center field at Old Comiskey. I'll Google it. I'm Googling it right now. 362 feet. That's pretty far. Yeah. So, according to Baseman Lee, Dick Allen hit a line drive that went past the pitcher's ear that the pitcher was able to try to make a play on. And that drop line drive went 362 feet. Yeah, they don't make them like they used to. I know. Like, Dick Allen, I, I think I've posted this on our Instagram, one of my favorite pictures is Dick Allen in the White Sox dugout smoking a cigarette and juggling baseballs at the same time. Baseball, in my opinion, was better when they let you smoke cigarettes in the dugout. Yeah. I also like it when fans could run on the field and get in a fist fight with umpires. Mm -hmm. And, like, if you were an umpire, you had to be ready to fucking defend yourself. Right. Yeah, like Jose Bautista. Right. All right, so uh, if you listen to last week's episode, we started talking about The Wrong Stuff by Bill Space Manley, who was a pitcher for the Boston Red Sox uh, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Sorry about any feedback you're getting. I'm trying to adjust it right now. Now, uh, in this week's episode, I wanted to focus on a couple of key themes or issues that came up in this. The first thing I wanted to talk about, this is in 71, 1971, and the big star on the Boston Red Sox that year was Carl Yastrzemski. Right. Yes, they call it. Yes. Now, the powerhouse, because we talked about this before, this is the... Uh, What's his name? I'm sorry, Sam. Earl Weaver or Warren? Who am I thinking of? Earl Weaver? Yeah. The powerhouse in the AL East at this time were the Earl Weaver Baltimore Orioles. And so the Red Sox were always trying to play catch-up to the Baltimore Orioles. But the superstar on the Boston Red Sox that year was Yaz. And Yaz had all these endorsements which in 1971 was not very common, even among superstar baseball players. And so right. Yaz kind of was on this different level than all of his fellow teammates on those Red Sox teams. And from the way that uh, Bill Lee puts it, Bill Lee, in my impression, really liked Yaz, but everyone was very aware that, he, that Yaz was the superstar. And that kind of alienated him from his team. If I can do a quick aside on Carl Yastrzemski, just to give our viewers or listeners who don't know anything about him a little backstory. Yes, Carl Yastrzemski is a Hall of Fame baseball player. He played left field for the Red Sox for 23 seasons. Um, And it's most notable for, uh, not most notable, he had a, he was an incredible baseball player for a very long time, but he took over left field as a rookie the year after Ted Williams retired. This so this six, was like massive shoes to fill. Um, is it 1961? 61, yeah. 
Williams retired in 1960, and then Yastrzemski took over in 1961. So it was like a pretty huge deal um, for, you know, it's just like, you you know, it would have been easy for him to um, not, or, you know, not easy for him, but it's just like big, big shoes to fill. That's all I'm saying. Um, and he became a superstar and a Hall of Famer in his own right. Um, and he's also from Bridgehampton, New York, which is in the Hamptons out on Long Island, where I spent a part of this past summer. So anyway, interesting well, story. Yastrzemski was like kind of the face of those 1970s Boston Red Sox teams. Totally. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's the one who hit the iconic home run, right? Where he's dancing down the first baseline, like willing the ball to stay fair. Down the that him was that Carlton Fisk. Um, I mean, that was Carlton Fisk. That's You're right. Carlton Fisk. Yeah. 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 So this is uh, Bill Wee, and this is that was '86. No, no, that was the '70s. That, oh, was, that was that 70s. was Game Six. Either the '77 or '78 World Series. Bob and Eli are screaming at us right now because they know the answers to this yeah. question. Uh, <laughs> neither of them listen to the podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> They're like screaming at us the answer to this question. But it's game six of the World Series that the Red Sox are playing against the Reds. So um, this is the uh, 72 season. And this I thought was really interesting because the pressure of being the superstar on your team. So I'm going to read uh, about a paragraph, if you don't mind. Yeah. Everything fell apart simultaneously. Our defense held up, but our starting pitching failed us, especially when Sonny got hurt late in the season. And our hitting just died. We still scored runs, but we seemed able to score them only in bunches. Ten runs in one game, and then nothing for the rest of the week. Billy Conigliolo had replaced his brother in right. As soon as it became apparent that power was not part of Billy's game, Casco tried platooning him with Joe LaHood. Joe must have hit 757 home runs in batting practice, but he couldn't get his average over 230 when it came to the real thing. Griffin and Aposio were as weak at the plate as they were strong up the middle. The biggest victory, though, was Yaz. He went into an early season slump and never got out of it. No one could understand why. I thought hitting 40 homers in 69 and 70 might have hurt him, causing him to try to pull everything, whereas he had been successful hitting the ball to all people. Pitchers do have a grapevine, and once it got around that Carl no longer going with the pitch, everyone pitched away. The end result was Yaz hitting a lot of ground balls to second. This is 1971? Yeah. We started calling him 4-3. to As his slump wore on, the fans got on him, and that only made it worse. None of these things mattered much. Even if we had been able to correct all of our inadequacies, there still would have been one insurmountable obstacle left, Baltimore. We just couldn't beat the Orioles. Now, I, I, I like that passage because, you know, we talk so much about baseball being this mental game. And when you go into a slump, how the fuck do you get yourself out of a slump? Especially when you're 
quote unquote the guy like Yaz was on that seventy one Boston Red Sox team. Right. Um and and I'm trying to think of equivalent the fluid equivalent I'm thinking of and you know, you might hate me for this is Giancarlo Stanton on the New York Yankees. Right. I mean I do he hate you for it, yeah. At, but do you see the analogy I'm, I'm talking about? Although he's dealing with injuries, not just like a strange slump. Well, it's interesting because Carl Yastrzemski, like, he hit 40 home runs in 69 and 70, and then the most he ever hit after that in a season was 28, and that was in 1977. That might have been eight. Yeah. Or he just changed his game. Like, he still had a pretty good. <clears throat> so he led the league in batting average three times. But the last time he did it was 1968. Like, he batted 254 and 71, 264 and 72, 296. And, yeah, he's got better after that. But so 71, he 72, he did not play very well. Yeah. I guess booze. Yeah. Uh, Superstar, like going to parties, you know. Maybe he had syphilis, if we're being honest. But based on this book, booze is a good good point. But Yaz didn't... Well, oh, there is a passage. I don't think I can find it quickly. So Yaz, like Yaz and Bill Lee were friends. Right. And Yaz would go to all these... Um, like sponsored parties, like right. whatever company was sponsoring him, usually a bread company for some goddamn reason. Bread? Bread, like baking bread, yeah. Hmm. And so he'd go to like a, a, a banquet, and apparently Yaz was really good at holding his liquor. I feel like Carl Yastrzemski was probably like at a, like a lot of like Republican fundraising dinners, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he wouldn't and go out. I don't know anything about him. That's just the way that he looks. Like that's well, his look. He wouldn't you know? go out and party with them. This is the thing that Bill Lee talks about. Like they would go out and party, and Yaz would not go out and party with them. But then Yaz would invite Bill Lee to come with him to, you know. King Arthur Baking Flower Fundraiser or some King bullshit. Arthur, that's a Vermont company. Probably, that's probably, yeah. And he'd go and they'd have free drinks for the entire night. And Bill Lee would get smashed and be able to barely stand up. And Yaz would still be standing, drinking, talking politely to, like, the wife of the CEO. Right. Having, like, you know, gone drink for drink with, you know, Spaceman. Right. And then he can still, like, keep it together to, like, talk about, you know, baking in Burlington or whatever. Right. Norwich, yeah. I think, actually. Norwich. Yeah. Is it Norwich, Vermont? Norwich, Vermont, yeah. Yeah. Home of... King Arthur Flower and also the Norwich Academy, which is the premier uh, tank commander military school in the United States. Fun fact. 
That is a fun fact. It's like a, it's like artillery school. Uh, like, it's like a military. It's a college. It, they have a, but they have a small military school that's like for artillery commanders. Okay. Do you want me to talk about the time he was in Venezuela or his relationship with Richard Nixon? <coughs> uh, let's do Nixon. Okay. So okay. So it's now it's the nineteen seventy two. Uh, season. Because otherwise it doesn't make sense for you to shut me down calling that other guy Tricky Dick, you know? Right. Good point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, and it's again, the, the weird thing about reading basically narrative, and this is why uh, we were talking a lot of shit about Michael Jordan in our last episode. Right. right? Like, if you're really doing a non-fiction history or biography, like, there's no big lesson to learn. You're just telling stories about things that happened right. to you. Right. Right. That's why The Last Dance should be a memoir or an autobiography. Yeah. yeah. Which is fine. That's fine. I would probably watch it if that's how it was built. Right. Um, Okay, so he almost gets traded to the New York Yankees, but he doesn't. And it's a frustrating time. He thought the Red Sox were on the verge of being a good team, but that management was getting in the way. Classic. Um, and that in 71, he's going to be a wrong believer. Now, he's a big fucking hippie. That's the thing to, to remember, is that, and he's always been that. He's from Northern California. He went to USC. He's always had those kinds of attitudes towards life. And that, you know, culture clash is about to happen. So I walked into the clubhouse in Winter Haven. Sorry, I'm not sure where he is right now. Winter Haven, Florida. Oh, yeah. So it's spring training. Spring training. Yeah, that used to be the home of the, the spring training of the Red Sox. I walked into the clubhouse in Winter Haven, resplendent in the latest addition to my personal wardrobe. I'm it's sorry. Spring- can I stop you one more time? Please. Winter I- Haven. Fun fact about Winter Haven. I'm just popping yeah. in with some fun facts. I love these fun facts. I'm all about fun facts right Former, now. Former... Uh, home spring training home of the boston red sox also um current red sox pitcher um oh my god why am i blanking on his name he's the most famous one used to play for the white Sox. cut up all his jerseys chris sale chris sale went to high school in winter haven florida really yeah that makes sense Chris Sale uh, I know that because my girlfriend did her freshman year of high school. She was living in Winter Haven, Florida, and Chris Sale was there at the same time. Wait, but she didn't know. In him. high school, was he Where did he go to college? I don't know. I'll Google it. Yeah. Anyway, that's the fun fact about Winter Haven. They don't play there anymore. They're in Fort Myers, the Red Sox for spring training. Right. They used to be in Winter Haven, and I've been there. Uh, it's big orange country. Oh, interesting. 
that's like where Tropicana is, not in Winter Haven, but in that general area. That's where the Tropicana World Headquarters are. Right. All right. All right. Uh, I'm going to pause this real quick and pick this up in just a second. Okay. Wait, you're pausing the 